Welcome to episode 32 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to finish our discussion of the White Rabbit Project from Netflix. Let's continue the conversation. Hi everyone, welcome back to MADE. I am Jose Valcarcel, and with me always is Ray Peña. How you doing? And Claudia Berrigan. How are you? Hola. <laughs> All right, guys, we're back. And uh, this week we're going to finish our discussion on, on the great TV show by Netflix, The White Rabbit Project. <laughs> um, before we get to that, how you guys been doing? Not bad, not bad. How about you guys? Uh, pretty good and busy. You've been busy with, uh, with uh, the shop. Yeah, very busy. Yeah. Surprisingly busy, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been the same here. I've been pretty busy. Work's been busy. Trying to get stuff done. It's been busy. I've been working on this Batarang for like months and I still haven't finished it. It's looking good, though. Yeah, but it's like my unfinished opus. <laughs> I'm never going to get it done. <laughs> Have you got it smooth yet? Have you reprinted I it? I did. I, I didn't reprint it. I had, to re- I had to sand it down and repaint it. And so I had to sand it down to get the paint off of it and then fill in the small voids that it had because you know i was trying to get rid of the stepping for the yeah from the 3d print so i think now i've got it pretty good so yeah and it's been windy and then yeah and it's been cold so it hasn't been great to paint because it's been so cold the paint doesn't dry quite well enough so or like you'll fly off (laughs) wasn't that the case yeah yeah so adventures and yeah yep 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 um now you found the flow. We were just talking about this. We were starting. You found the flow on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, you know, before we started recording, yeah. we were talking about the flow and I was yeah. jokingly saying that maybe you guys should do that, but I wasn't <laughs> serious. And then we're like, "Well, do they still even make the flow yeah. And I am surprised. I'm shocked actually that it's still available. Uh, how because, many? Yeah. How, how many could they possibly sell to make it still worth manufacturing? I guess we are underestimating the desire people have to cut their own hair. I guess so. It must be a deeper desire than we have because I just don't know why anybody would do that. Well, I mean, I think cutting your own hair is a, is a little bit of a overstretch for, for a Floby, right? Because it's not like vacuuming your haircut. It's like vacuuming your haircut. But, I mean, it, it almost feels like it's one of those things like, you know, last time when, when I saw... Um, What's it called? Not Netscape. Uh, American Online. American American Online. AOL. AOL got sold for like a billion dollars. You know. Yeah, like who's like still using year. that? Exactly. Well, I can tell you who. <laughs> but, but Some congressman, for sure. Oh like yeah. I, said, I I listened about a thing on MySpace, and MySpace got sold not that long ago, and they're trying to bring it back still or something. Like people are still using this thing. Yeah. I think, well, you, I think they said MySpace still had like 10 million users or something. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, and it could be also like these companies have their fingers in other pies. So when you're like when you buy AOL, you're not just buying AOL. You're buying a lot of other features that they have that are not directly related to that platform. That's true. They might have like some kind of patent or something that you're trying to get your hands on for another purpose. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know. Or they yeah. might still have an active user base, like uh, my wife still has an AOL account, mm-hmm. you know, for example. And um, so, you know, with with the way it works, they might have a very, they're looking for the access to that 
that market segment that it will grant you by getting all that account information. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? All, all kinds of things. Right. But the Flowbee has absolutely no use whatsoever, <laughs> even though I know a person that uses one, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Well, let me ask you, since you know somebody who uses one, what, what would you say about the quality? Or would you rather not comment? <laughs> the uh, quality of the no, haircut. I don't, I don't think he listens, so it's, I think it's fine, but I, I think he could use updating his haircut. He would be... He would do better. He would do much better to have a nicer haircut, I think. Yeah. Pay somebody for a haircut every once in a while. Oh, go into a hairstylist would be cool. Yeah, well, I mean, not well, a, a barber. Not, not a salon or no, like no, that, a barber. Let's let's face yeah. it. We don't need we don't need to go to a hairstylist. A barber does the job yeah. just fine. Exactly. All right. Well, I think it's time to uh, get into the so. We, well, a few episodes ago, we did the first five episodes of the White Rabbit Project, which is a show on Netflix by the guys, the the guys, three of the guys from the Mythbusters: Tori Belleci, Grant Mahara, and Carrie Byron. Byron, yes. Yeah. Um, so that was a few episodes ago. You, you know, we should go and listen to those first. Um, and if you've not watched it and you're interested in watching it, we're about to spoil the show. So, you know, maybe go watch them and then come listen to what we thought about it. So, or or we could save you the trouble of watching it. Uh, we could. <laughs> I mean, I know somebody has that opinion at least. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. I found this five more interesting. But I mean, let's get into it. Let's. We are about to. From this point on, we're going to be spoiling the White Rabbit Project on Netflix. All right, so getting right into the main topic. Um, so there were five episodes left for the White Rabbit Project of a ten-episode season. Um, we want to just—do you guys want to give some general comments of the second half of the season, or do you want to jump right into episode for episode? Uh, I think for me, uh, a lot of the general comments are the same as as the first time we covered this. You know, I'm not a fan of the f- particular format that they have. Yeah. Um, what about you, Claudia? I mean, but I mean, generally speaking, improvement, not an improvement. Where, where, where um, you guys there? I think I like the builds better. They're, the builds mm-hmm. were more interesting, more in keeping with what we were expecting from the beginning. Mm-hmm. How about you, Claudia? Well, I think it's it, it, the first the first half of the season. I I felt like I had a choice mm-hmm. of watching it. <laughs> You know, I was like, okay, well, we're just reviewing it. It's really no biggie. But then, you know, like once you, once we set this goal of, well, let's finish the season. Mm-hmm. Now it was forced upon you. <laughs> I was like, darn, because um, I slept through most of the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second half, <laughs> I really tried. I tried hard, and I, at some points, I was engaged. Very few points, but most of it, I was also put asleep again okay so for you it was about the same then yeah i think i think at least the topics got a little bit more interesting in my in my view at least like you know the the season what was it episode nine that invented before it's time i learned new things Hmm. and i gotta say that like once you're you're you make the commitment of being more engaged Hmm. and Sort of like put your hand at their put put yourself at their disposal, right? And just say, okay, well, try to engage me. Mm-hmm. Then there are some instances in which you can learn for mm-hmm. sure. 
So, I, I like that. It, it almost sounded like I dare you to engage me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I generally agree. I think in terms of like the season was, very, I, I think the show is very consistent. Um, it is, it, I th- even though I still felt like the second half was a little better for me. There were there was things that were more interesting. I, I think like what you said, the builds were better. Um, so I think overall it, it improved a little bit for me. And I think there's still certain aspects of the format of the show that I think they could use they could use fixing. Like one of the things that they do is you know they tell you up front what their criteria is going to be, but they don't tell you the six things that you, they're gonna examine. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I feel like if they did that, you, one would maybe stay more engaged because you sort of they show you images that sort of represent it, but you don't really know what's coming. Um, and I think that's one of the things the MythBuster show used to do very well is that it would tell you we're going to test this three things, and then you would want to stay to see the three things tested. Yeah, you know, here they're sort of building them up, and there's kind of it's it's not quite a surprise, but almost as if it was a surprise what's going to be tested, and I, I just don't think it helps the show. Surprises, like, I think, would be would at least would continue keeping you guessing at what it is, but. A lot of the times, it's just a long, drawn-out drawn story mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense to like write, you know, to, to understand what what they're gonna be. Right, and the thing with the state consistency, they still had the little sketches. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? There were fewer, and they weren't as elaborate. Right, there were fewer, but they still open every episode with some kind of a sketch. Yeah, yeah. And and it's still interesting to me that they do yeah. that. But at least there isn't feminized Hitler. You know, yes. try, uh, going through a field. It's, right. They definitely toned it down. They toned it down a bit, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go episode by episode. Um, we'll go in order. So episode six, right? That was May G-Force Be With You. Yeah. Um, which is a, obviously a reference to Star Wars, which I didn't get right away. <laughs> oh, no? No, I didn't. Because um, I, mean, I heard G-Force, I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be about this or whatever. Claudia had to explain to me. <laughs> that, oh, like, like from Star Wars, may the force be with you. That is a surprise. I really thought it was going to be yeah. the other way around. <laughs> I, no, really I, did. I really didn't. I really didn't get it right away. I was like, I, I got caught up on the G-Force thing right away. Um, so this episode, they were going to test basically what of the six things had the highest number of Gs, the highest duration, and also had the most extreme factor. Mm. Um, what do you guys think about this? This... Um, episode um i thought it was interesting uh to tell you the truth but um i i'm gonna i'm gonna side with claudia on here as interesting as it was i don't think any of it was a big deal Mm -hmm. like not that i would consider it show worthy right yeah i mean interesting borderline interesting but not necessarily show worthy uh, for the exception of the rocket sled, I think the rocket sled really right. got that was in- interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was the best part of that whole uh, mm-hmm. analysis that they were doing. Right. Well, and I think part of it to me is that this one, and I get it's not the same, but it's also very. It was very similar to the last episode we're going to talk about, which was Speed Freaks. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I think this episode more than any had. The weird had the strangest of the 
um, sketches where the, the weird LARPing thing. Oh, yeah, the LARPing. That oh, that was terrible. <laughs> it, like, it's terrible. Yeah. So. Well, it, they but, had it. It's funny you should say that because they had it like high-end production at the beginning. Right. And by the end, it was just a bunch of, you know, weird guys in a field. Hitting each other being, with yeah, like being stupid. foam stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You had no G force there Mm-mm. at all. Yeah. But I agree with you guys. Like the the rocket sled. Right. That was really cool. That was one of those instances in which you I learned something. Right. That I didn't. That there was no clue that I uh, that that I had no clue about before, mm-hmm. and um, and it was completely new to me. It wasn't like you know like the Blue Angels. Because you 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 know you you have an idea of someone like me at least has a generalized idea of what the blue angels do and you know like the G force and everything else, but the fact that they also uh, pass out, like or or, or they they yeah, the train, like, yeah they filter out those that right. <laughs> that pass, that you know tend to have like that physical reaction to it. Um, I thought that was interesting. The bobsledding was cool because I I I bobsled it once myself, so it was. It was kind of cool to understand the physics behind that, but yeah, like the, they lost me in half of the entire show with this whole jousting and yeah. Well, I think yeah, I think that's the good. thing that's a little bit frustrating about this show is that you know, like the like you guys have said, the rocket sled and the history of the guy, uh, Colonel John Paul's staff, and everything he put his body through for like sort of the sake of science and what G forces do to the body or whatever was so interesting. Right, like they have this moment where, like, when they start talking about, like you were saying, when they start talking about how pilots, if they experience too much G forces, they can pass out. But the Blue Angels don't use the special suits that other pilots use, so that they don't pass out. You know. Yeah. So they have to, they have to weed out the ones that would pass out. Like they actually have to train themselves. Yeah. For and it. some people have a physiological limit. You know they. No matter how hard you train, you can't stop right. yourself from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, on this one, the build, I think the build was the least interesting. Because they were building, the, the entire purpose of the build was to figure out if putting um, uh, uh, accelerometers on the nights would be feasible so it can pick it up. They could have just slapped two accelerometers on the guys that were mm-hmm. doing it and figured that out right away. Right. Uh, so to me, it seemed that the build on this particular episode was was almost pointless, and it was just to mm-hmm. hey, let's build something, and it was right. just unnecessary. It was almost like oh, we haven't built anything for this episode. Let's build something. Yeah, and then yeah. and then we're gonna be doing it anyway in real life. Mm-hmm. We're just right. building it just to do it. Right. Well, and that's that was the thing when he's building this thing, this rig to test the accelerometer. I'm like, oh, but you just had the nights. Why wouldn't you just test it out right then and there? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think they were going to go back to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's the point? Right. Uh, and the other part of that is that I felt like the whole jousting thing didn't even fit in with the rest of the G Force part of it. Like that's why it ended up sixth. Right. It didn't really fit in. When you look at everything else as years, you have a roller coaster, a bobsled, a rocket sled, a blue angel, three race cars, and and medieval jousting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't I do not understand why that was one like it again it came off as a, like we need we need a we need a number six. What's yeah. What do we got what what do we got? What can we, what we can put in here? Right. Yeah. Hmm. You know reminded me of just remember uh-huh. when you were a kid and watching Sesame Street that 
that segment that was one of these things is not like the other, right? <laughs> right. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. Right. I think that Grant really likes to joust or like to like and to, to LARP. And to LARP. Yeah, LARP. Yeah. And he was the one in the yeah. LARPing scene. So I think he was like, well, we're doing this. I don't care what you people are saying. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, the other yeah. two were not that interested in that project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah, so I think this episode was one of the weaker ones of the second half. Um, just to throw it all in there, though, the ranking ended up being the Rockets led number one, Blue Angels number two, Race Car number three, Roller Coaster number four, Bobsled number five, and then Jousting number six. Um, but what this did show me a little bit, and I don't, I don't think it was so much in this one, um, but I did begin to notice that out of the criteria, one of them is always sort of very subjective. Right, because uh-huh. the the number of G's, that's not subjective. That's measured. The no, duration of those yep. G's is not subjective. It's measured, but the extreme factor is like they could throw in whatever number they want, <laughs> you know. And I I don't remember which yeah. one had the extreme factor, but I th- I, I think it was Blue Angel that had the extreme factor or something. But it, it's one of those things where they always seem to have one of the criteria is very 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 subjective, and I don't know if I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess as we move forward with the other episodes, one of the comments I had was that, and I think it was all around episode eight or nine, <laughs> so though it is very late in the game, is when I realized, oh, okay, so they're actually saying the scores. They're yeah, the numbers that they're giving. That yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, you know, I could be keeping track of this to actually see if that's what, you know, to sort of like, to, to evaluate or to make sure that that's what the, the ranking is based on their scoring. Right, like theoretically, if you're really paying attention to the numbers they give, because after they show each one, they say, okay, what does it rank in this? What does it rank in this? Like thing? one out of ten. And right. always like, yeah, if it. you're keeping track of that, you don't need to watch the last three minutes of it where they tell you which one ended up at which spot because you would have kept track of the numbers. Yeah, and, and I think I was thinking about these things is because... I wanted to really, I really honestly wanted to stay awake. And I was thinking of ways in which I can be more engaged and stay awake and actually keep a tab. (laughs) So let's just talk about the second episode, which was called Deck We Love to Hate. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this one, I mean, it's pretty straightforward what they mean by it. But the criteria was how long has the deck been around? How useful it actually is? And what what are the chances it'll get worse? So, Claudia, what do you think about this uh, episode? Hmm. So, for this particular one, <laughs> I was trying to relate again to mm. to some of the texts that we love to hate. Uh, obviously, like the I've had issues with Siri. Mm. Um, just she just doesn't listen to me. If you're an iPhone user, you understand what I'm talking about. But it's really frustrating when. The phone understands your husband, but it doesn't mm. understand you. <laughs> Maybe it's your accent. Maybe it doesn't get your accent. I tried. Oh, I did. I, I seriously, it does. Like number four, it cannot. It cannot get number four out of my mouth. <laughs> it says everything else, but but then the traffic lights, for example, I found that very interesting. I like the fact that uh, because of that segment, uh, we we got to understand a little bit more about LA traffic and see the city a little bit more too. 
which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, that's you have to see the city, right? Because yeah. I mean, you're going through different different stops, and you almost feel like you are in that commute mm-hmm. uh, when he's testing out the this the the, the synchronizing right, the synchronized lights, yeah. lights. Um, the printers for sure. I like you know, there's always issues with that. Everybody relates um, to that one, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the other but, stuff, it was almost like eh, the smart the smart um devices, devices like mm-hmm. the smart homes that was really weird. like the whole like enactment of the guy walking in and then you know like doing the, you know like how wonderful this could be and then you know showing the opposite and how annoying he how annoyed he was about it. yeah but you know before that one because this that was also like they said the way they started the smart devices was with a woman dressed in like sexy lingerie and when she goes to like Getting to bed with her husband, she realizes she doesn't have enough steps. Oh yes, so she's like, yeah. "Hold on, I'm gonna." I was like, "What the? Hell? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> what is? Who's this show? Like, why is she? What? What, what is this yeah, gonna be?" You woke me up when you said that because you did. He had the reaction of like, "What?" And I was like, like "What? What did, happened?" Did the channel get changed by mistake? Because <laughs> yeah. it was like it's not explicit, but yeah. it was starting to get there. Like it's very implied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, there's different ways to get to that point without going that way. Yeah. And, you know, the idea was that uh, who's controlling who? Are your devices forcing you to do things that you don't want to do and controlling you in a way that you don't plan? And Mm -hmm. uh, you're trying to keep up with the expectation of your device. Uh, Weird concepts. I I don't think, Mm -hmm. you know, none of us will be that way. I don't think anybody would be that... um, Gullible? I don't. I don't know what the right word is. is that ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, I think. I mean, that's an interesting. I wonder if that's a topic we should consider talking about on the show, because you know, we, the three of us, were born before all, like before these devices were a definite part of your life, and you grew up with it, right? Yeah. Kids nowadays that are born with it, their boundary for what these devices tell them to do is probably less than ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of the things that, like, you know, like my parents are not on Twitter, or and they're never going to be on Twitter. Yeah. Like, where, where is our breaking point going to be with that technology? You know, like, I think when people start getting chips in their head, that's when I'm going to be like, no, I'm out. I don't, I don't need to put a chip in my, <laughs> my, in my brain. But, but where is that for everybody? You know, it's definitely social social engineering is definitely a case already now. Right. Um, yeah, well, but you know, this you know episode, what? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'll have a little aside. Because yeah. it's interesting you should say that uh, my uh, my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, uh, has a, a stepson that has a, uh, just got his first job. And he came home one day. He says, oh, I've waited tables for three hours. I think I need to see a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> As though he was doing some kind of hard work. Um, you know, waiting tables is nothing. And for three hours, I don't know what. I'm like, we were all confused by the statement. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. So I I think you're right there when you when you are um, establishing a dividing line of how technology influences you based on your generation, because as the generations before us have been able to determine, every generation is slightly different. Yes. Yeah. So that boundary will be interesting to see as we as we progress. Right. Yeah. And that's why again, you know. If you look at it, this three, this episode again had, you know, how long this movie's been around. 
that's not something that's subjective. How Correct. useful it is to a degree is really not that subjective. But will it get worse? Completely, is very yeah. subjective. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, you know, when they started looking at these things, because let, let's give the final ranking of it, was stalking devices was number one, beeping devices was number two, traffic lights was number three, smart devices was four, printers was five, and drones were six. Like, I thought for sure beeping devices was going to win. I agree, this. yeah. Yet the reason they said it didn't win, it, it didn't get the, it's going to get worse, was because they have this white noise as opposed to a beep. But they don't address the fact that to have the white noise sound is more expensive than just the regular beep sound. Yeah. So it's not really, at this point, something that replaces the beeping sound. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. But I don't know. I think the beeping sound is is quite annoying. And, you know, they use the construction site example. Mm-hmm. But just in my kitchen alone, um, my oven beeps. We have two ovens. So the so the one ra- the range beeps all the time. The oven beeps. The refrigerator beeps. The washing machine and dryer, they all beep. The, the microwave beep beeps. Um, it, I find it annoying. I don't know why everything's got to beep. Why is it, why everything got to make a sound? Well, yeah, but I mean, and it was, I think his explanation was great. But again, it's one of the things that's hidden in the show. It's the inexpense of that tiny speaker, if you will. I forget the name. Yeah, the, the piezoelectric. Right. It's so cheap to make. It's so easy. And it makes that annoying, hideous sound yeah. that you can put it in everything. Yeah. But there's no replacement for that because he's white noise alternative was enormous yeah it was like the size of a clock and it's expensive yeah yeah so i I thought that one should have ended up number one as opposed to talking devices which i think are only going to get better right they're not getting any worse they're they're only going to learn to recognize our voice more they're only going to be able to speak to us better yeah so yeah so the other thing is like for this particular episode specifically they have to they have to be careful they have to like almost walk in eggshells, I think, from a production perspective, mm-hmm. um, because it's you know they're ranking technologies, right? Mm-hmm. So, what if they were to say that you know drones were the tech that we love to hate, that they're so annoying and mm-hmm. it's not going to get any better? When in future episodes, which we've seen in like I think it was like episode eight or nine, they actually base everything on drones, on the use of drones, right? And you know, from a product perspective, like they have to be careful on who they well, vilify they, or who they like give a give a bad rating to. Right. So, you know, in in that sense, that's probably why, you know, smart devices and drones are more on the on the less annoying mm-hmm. tech. Are list you talking about because of their possible sponsors? Is that what you mean? Possible sponsors, possible conflicts of interest later on of who, yeah, like who gives them stuff and. Like those drones that they were using, are not cheap cheap drones, and they were shooting nets at it and stuff. They and I know for a fact that Adam Savage and I know Adam Savage has nothing to do with the show, but Adam Savage has a relationship with the company that makes those drones. So I can only imagine that they have some sort of relationship with this company as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I I think. Because I, I disagree that drones should be less as well. Yeah, I understand they've not been around as long as some of these other things. 
but they are very useful for a lot of things and they show a lot of things they're useful for. They're certainly going to get worse. There's going to be more of them. There's, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's already a push for the FAA to regulate drones. The FAA already does regulate drones. Doesn't? My yeah. Drone, yeah, my drone is registered. I have a, 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 an FAA number that I have to put on my drone when I fly it. Huh. Um, my, my issue with them is the environmental issue. Like, you know, like, it was, it was funny how they showed up, like, eagles are trained to, to, catch, to them. catch them, right? Mm. Well, how about the, the animals and the birds that get hit mm. by drones and get hurt by drones? <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because in that episode, they showed at least three people who got into a hit by drones. Exactly. And you're okay with that. Like, yeah, hit all the people you want, but, but what about the birds? <laughs> I, I have issues. They are federally protected and they have no say. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot sue. I do want to mention about this this episode because this episode had well it had the scene the or the little sketch that I thought was the worst with the the, the woman <laughs> getting sexy. Yeah. It also had my favorite little sketch, which is when they're recreating the, from the scene space. from Office yeah. Space. They're, they're yes. destroying that printer. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great. I I was laughing for that for them like oh Office Space. Yeah. But you know what? And you, uh, the one I thought was weird also was the, in the beginning where they showed the, you know, the uh, dining room of the future with the ro- the robot, yeah. you know, robot. I thought that was weird too. It was very weird. I thought they were gonna put be when they when I saw that I thought they were gonna be mentioning robots and and I was a bit right. disappointed that wasn't part of the deal. Right. Obviously, robots yeah. in their infancy now, but but the leaps that they're making are tremendous. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know that they've mentioned robots that much in any of the episodes. It's not really made it very much in any of this episode, this or the previous episodes. So, but yeah, um, I don't know. But this one was one that was at least for me starting to get more into uh, what I want this show to be like, though. So, yeah. Um, now I can't remember what they built. I, you one. know what, I had to really think about it carefully because I wrote that down too in yeah. my notes. The build was him screwing around with the printer. Oh, Remember that's right. He, he tried to make some ink. Yeah. yeah. That was it. I mean, that was a disappointing build. Oh, right. Dumb. Yeah, because I, I wrote down the builds that they were, the other ones were doing, but I didn't write down anything for this one because it was it was barely there. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay, cool. Well, let's go to the next episode, episode eight, which was named where is my hoverboard um which it was a reference to back to the future obviously um and they're sort of saying where is the the sci-fi technology that we've been promised by this point right yeah um so the way they ranked them or the criteria was how close the device is to its sci-fi equivalent how much does it cost and where can I get one? Is it, is it available, basically? So, um, what do you guys think of this one? Um, up to this point, I got to say, this one was one of my favorites. And it was uh, because of the build. I thought the build was probably the most interesting in this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I think this was definitely the most intricate build and the, the most useful even maybe of the build 
you know, like he actually made something. And it wasn't just a test. He actually set out to make the one of the things. So. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it it was um, um, they showed the trial and error. They showed the failure in every step to get to success. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I, honestly, this is the one that I sucked through the most. I cannot remember some of these things. I I'm noticing like a common pad. theme here. Yes, <laughs> but one thing that like so there's a couple of things I remember the jetpack right like there was a there was a trial somebody was, there, there was, was a driving race. it was a race right yeah right. and it never worked it, it was the most disappointing <laughs> race <failed>. ever <laughs> it was yeah it was really boring um, but the biggest thing so I, as much as I like the 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 build I what was really funny and like memorable for me was the fact that we learned that Grant was a hundred hundred forty five pounds. He That's... only weighs 145 pounds. <laughs> I was like, okay. And he mentioned it multiple times. Multiple times. And he, like... I don't think he realizes how little that is for me. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was almost proud of it, too. But I, I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I... I he is one of the reasons why I don't get engaged with with the show, and I'm sad because I you think... find him boring? I find him boring. I think his voice is, is a little bit boring, it's just there's something about him, and I was reading like you know like <laughs> about shows that put you to sleep, and that's one of the things you know like between documentaries, monotone or information that's like just it's just not engaging enough. That's why like whenever he mentions like silly stuff as you know how much I weigh, how much he weighs, <laughs> that's when I'm like okay. <laughs> well, it's a shame because he's actually out of the three of them. He I think he's he's a, he had an engineering degree. Yeah. He is more like you know Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman than the other two, I think. Um, which maybe maybe that's why you find them a little bit boring, because he's much more the technical guy than the other guys are. That's probably what it is. Yeah. You know, I I agree. I think that when you're when you're, when you're talking about qualification, mm -hmm. uh, Grant is probably the the best qualified of the three. And honestly, even when they were on on uh, MythBusters, uh, I I got the feeling that they just got lucky. They got lucky to be on that show because there were predecessors before them. There were, right. there were people that came before them um, that were better suited in some cases, that, but they didn't, they couldn't hack it. The, the welder, there was a, a young lady that was a welder that was a very yeah. well-established welder, and she's an, an artist in metal now, um, to, for, as an yeah, example. I forget her name. But yeah, yeah, she was on maybe the first year or two. She, was the first, yeah, she might not have made it out of the first few episodes. Yeah. I think she was in like the first five episodes or something, where she, she was couldn't. a key person that was building stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, well yeah. established, well, you know, highly skilled welder. So I, to me, if I feel that they got lucky the first time, and now they got lucky twice because they got lucky <laughs> the first time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Grant is probably the best qualified individual of the bunch, and without him, there wouldn't be a show. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of. Disappointing that you find them so um, uh, boring, I guess, and uninteresting. Yeah. I, I think it's the uninteresting part, and I think he is. I mean, it's, it's nothing about him. You know, if he, if somehow he ends up listening to this, it's not about you. Well, I mean, I think the thing that <laughs> made the thing that made the MythBuster successful is that I think Jamie Heineman. If you were to just watch a show of just Jamie talking and making something, you would probably be bored out of your mind. You're like, oh yeah, I can barely hear you through your mustache. Right, but Adam <laughs> Savage was sort of the comic relief as well as being knowledgeable of what he was doing and being and knowing how to build stuff. 
he was he was sort of comic relief there. The two of them worked off of each other well, yeah. and it made for a more interesting show. Yeah, like Laurel and Hardy or right. Abbott and Costello. That's what you're mm-hmm. getting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's exactly sure. Bird and Ernie. <laughs> yeah, Bird and Ernie. Uh, um, but yeah, so I mean, I think the interesting part here was Grant setting out to build the hoverboard. Um, yeah, I agree. Great. Um, now the hoverboard really ends up being just sort of a drone, a, a, an oversized drone that he's riding. But yeah, yeah it, it was still a hovering board. Yeah. So and and the only points that I would take away from it is because um, it's it's been done before. There's at least 10 other similar hovering platforms that have been made. Right. Um, so I, 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 as far as originality, even though it was an interesting build and it shows you all the steps and the failures and the solutions, I don't think it was a significant innovation. Right. Um, and, and I think there's actually, uh, there's one on Kickstarter now. It's like a, it's mm-hmm. a big rectangular box full with like eighty motors in it or something like that. Right, yeah, I think I've seen that. I, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway. So for me, it, points are taken away because he didn't do it in some kind of original way. Um, right. Like you said, all the tech is all it's just drone tech. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating part for me is that that's why it ended up winning, right? It ended up being number one because everything's available. And I think he said it would cost like ten thousand dollars to make. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, I forget how much. But in reality, the one that ended up number two was the most interesting, the Dermal Regenerator. I agree. Like, they are literally healing skin and and with light. Yeah, like a, like a Star Trek kind of tech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not quite there, but they are literally doing the thing that the sci-fi says you should do. So you're healing with light and... With, and and I was just like, the only reason that doesn't get number one is because Grant made a hoverboard. Yes, yeah. and again, I think he said, I am going to make a, right. a an oversized uh, what is it? Uh, drone, drone quadcopter. for my 140-pound body. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> I'm going to feature myself in this thing. <laughs> yeah, the yeah other no, I, I agree. That laser wound closure was impressive. Was I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And I mean, they used it to heal and well, heal. They used it to reconnect a nerve. Yeah. And like that's something that's not possible right now. Yeah. Or you even uh, seal a, a punctured colon. Right. Uh, and well, even the wound of the skin, no stitching. I mean, by the no. time that heals, you wouldn't even know you had a, an incision. Right. It, it was just it to me that was amazing, and it ends up number number two. Yeah. Um, the other ones were sort of forgettable. The jetpack. Well, the guy's jetpack was impressive. It barely worked. Um, there was the six million dollar man. They didn't really show anything we hadn't seen before. No. Uh, the guy that could was was it smell color? Uh here he could hear colors. He could hear color. That's what yeah. it was. He could hear color. That was somewhat interesting, but he looked like a Teletubby with that thing sticking yeah. on his head. And honestly, um, you know, if you just had black and white, I'm not sure that would even be such a hindrance in your right, day-to-day not... life that would be worth yeah. um, surgically implanting something into your brain just so you can hear color. Right. Yeah. But, but is it our reluctance to, <laughs> to technology because we're older? It could be. We don't want, we don't want the chip in the head. 
<laughs> well, the 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 eye was impressive. The eye was impressive. Yeah, that, the, and he and had a yeah. retinal implant and a whole right. lot of other stuff going on in there. Yeah, I wish for that because he was skiing down the slope. But I wish they'd been able to show an image of what he's actually seeing. A simulation, or, or, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, some kind of a thing of like, well, how does he see it? Which yeah. would have been interesting. Um, the X-ray glasses were kind of cool, but they're not X-ray glasses. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And the hologram is really just a projection on a film. Yeah, and you know that hologram. That's a that's a hack that's been floating around for like a year or two now. Um, it's. Uh, I was disappointed that they would they would even show that because clearly they ripped it off of YouTube and like oh yeah we'll just put a little fill in and and, and show this, um, you know the one with the iPad. Now, I don't know. I don't even know why that was in there because the um, the other thing that they had as a as a projected hologram was much more interesting. I, you know that was a, a bit of this of this I don't know show schizophrenia or something. Why they even showed the the hack with the iPad is beyond me. Right, and I guess it's just maybe they're trying to they're trying to explain things to a range of people, and maybe if somebody's never seen that before, that it's a way of you know explaining some more of it. I don't know, um, but even the I mean, I thought even the full on hologram in the studio or whatever wasn't I, I wasn't that impressed with it. No, um, you know, there's a, there's a thing, it's in Japan, they're doing, they call it 7D. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 7D projection where you're walking in an open area. And they're, they're doing this, what they call a seven-dimensional projection. So um, I'm, you've probably seen it where they have like polar bears that are walking around mm-hmm. you and, and yeah. uh, we, you know, like killer whales splashing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you as the viewer, you're in the middle of the whole thing and it feels like you're actually witnessing it. So in that yeah, regard, that. yeah, you know what? I will look that up and, and, and put a link to it for you. Yeah. But I think even instead of the hologram, I don't understand why virtual reality didn't make it in here. Yeah, that and, would even make more sense. Maybe virtual reality is already here, it would have ended up winning, maybe? I don't know. But, yeah, I was disappointed with this one in, in that sense. All right, let's just go on to the next... Um, episode which was episode nine episode nine is was titled invented before its time and uh it's pretty straightforward the criteria was how many years before the actual invention was the thing they're going to talk about invented how close it was to the actual invention and the ingenuity of it right so it's a little hard to understand the criteria when what they were basically getting at is that we think of certain things as being invented this year, but they were looking for evidence of something having been invented before that that did the same thing, right? Yeah. One of the examples is the um, in-card navigation, right? We probably think of in-card navigation as, I forget what year in-card navigation was, uh, 1990 was the car that had the first nav system. But they found a couple of devices that had been invented before that in 1932 and 1905 that did similar things. Yeah, but in a mechanical manner. Right, in a mechanical yeah. manner, yeah. right. So I, I thought this was pretty interesting. What did you guys think of this episode? Well, for me, this was one of my favorite episodes. 
Um, I think because of the the learning of the the learning that I, that that was available. Um, Are you sure it wasn't because part. you stayed awake? Well, I, I think because <laughs> because I was learning, I was staying awake. I, I was really surprised, and I think it's because I could relate it. I could relate to it, you know. Like so, the in car navigation, I was like, okay, well, I know what a Garmin is, and I know like for that, we need, you need to put. You needed to download specific maps at one point, mm-hmm. right? Before yeah, you yeah. T- took off on a trip, and then there was like this add-on mm-hmm. cost and, and stuff and like that. And you needed to update it regularly too. Exactly. So, so for me, like that was really cool that that this was a very um, analog version of that, mm-hmm. and and it was it was ingenious in that you know it was like the rotation of the tires would, and how they came about, you know, like. Because of the pictures, how they they noticed that the rotation of the tires and stuff was what, what was moving the scroll, so that that was really interesting. But um, overall, so this year my my Christmas gift to myself was uh, Spotify. Well, you gave no, me the Spotify membership, the... yes. But that's what I that, that was on my Christmas list. Is what I wanted to say. So Spotify, the streaming music, the music service. Streaming service yeah. And it's fun because, you know, like I use it all the time and I use it on my phone. That's what I use it the most. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> knowing that the music streaming service is not new, right. they had that from a while back. 1906. That was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, do you, do you want to talk about it a little bit more? Because you, you found it also interesting. With I did. I found it really interesting because, like, the whole thing was just fascinating to me. Right? The fact that. One, we think of music streaming as a recent thing. But back in 1906, this guy invented what was called the Teleharmonium. Oh, the yeah. His name was, was Thaddeus Cahill. Right? And, but he didn't just invent the music system. He technically invented, like, the first synthesizer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it, it was all... It was all like digital, digital, digital music to a degree. It wasn't like there were there were no instruments being played. And you know what? Like, it's funny you should say that because it seems like it would have actually been easier if it was just real instruments. Right. right. But you can't transmit that as easily through the wires. Right. And you would have had to have people playing twenty four seven because it was a twenty four seven service. Yeah. So you would have had to have like bands rotating in or something yeah. to do it. But like he took basically the basement of this warehouse and created this synthesizer that was, and they, ex- they did a good job of explaining how the thing works, but it's, it's this wheel that as they spin, they or these gears that as they spin, they go in front of a, synth- of a, of a device. That, a magnetic pickup. Yeah, magnetic pickup, which is what's on the guitar, so, right? Yeah. And the different sizes would create different tones, but he, in order for it to be able to transmit long distances, he had to make massive ones to the point where he was covering the entire floor of a basement. Yeah, I think and, they said it weighed like like uh, 200 yeah. tons. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, like a huge feat of engineering. And then the way it would work is you would, it was through the phone, you would call into the operator and tell her, connect me to the teleharmonium. And they would connect you to it, and you would put like a little amplifying cone in front of your phone, yeah. And it would just play the music, and you would just dance to it or whatever. Yeah, and that's what I do every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the funny part. She pointed out to me this morning. She was like, "Technically, I'm listening to a music streaming service on my phone as well." Yeah, you know, it's the exact same thing. 
But you know what? Out of out of this list and all these things were kind of interesting, but I am shocked. I, because the one thing I was expecting to see yeah. was not on this list. Which is what? Which was the fax machine. Um, the And I only know this because of something in high school we ended up covering in a... Uh, like an engineering class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, so I had to actually look up the name. It's called the Pantelegraph. And this is it the was. Thing your mom must have <clears throat> oh, she was probably talking about the mimeograph before the, no, the copy no. machine. No, no, she was talking about the same thing. Well, go ahead. Tell us, and then we'll tell you the story from Abdullah. Okay. So the yeah. Pantelegraph was basically the first fax machine. But instead of being all digital, it was a mechanical device, it was a pendulum. And the problem with it is, is that if you were transmitting, you had to start the pendulum on both your sending and receiving side at the exact same moment. And as the pendulum swung and it, and it came across the surface that you were, and you had to use like, a, like a, an electroconductive ink, you know, it wasn't super simple, but it would pick it up, transmit it down the line, and because it, it, they were both swinging at the same position and the same rate, on the mm-hmm. other side, it would actually burn the paper. Mm-hmm. And, and as it swung, every swing, it would adjust back a little bit. So it would pick it up on one side and, and burn it on the other. And oh. that was from the 1860s. And I'm shocked mm-hmm. that it didn't make this list because that was even older. And, right. and, and when they came up with this, when, you know, once you realized what they were doing, I thought oh, for sure, 100% mm-hmm. for sure, that was going to be on there. And uh, you know, not to knock off anything else, but I think honestly that would have won because clearly that was that was well ahead of, well ahead of its time. Yeah, well, and it's actually a different device that her mom had been telling us about. I forget the name of it now. Um, that she used to use back in like the 1950s or something. That was a international sort of fax machine as well. Um, huh. But but yeah, I mean, there's clear, especially and, and so like, I agree with you with what you're saying and that you can't believe that made it. Especially when the one that ended up sixth year wasn't even a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the cell phone, which they were like, oh, yeah, no, the cell phone was invented before that. And then it turns out, no, they were wrong. It was just a radio that they were looking at. Yeah, that should have never like, been on the list. Yeah, why'd you leave it in? Yeah. Once you saw you, you were <laughs> wrong about it. Find something else. You yeah. Know? So, but uh, this again, to me, shows why their criteria system doesn't work sometimes. Because the one that finished ahead of the music streaming service oh, yeah, have... uh, yeah, I agree. That, why is that even there? Why is that even on the list? Right. Yeah, like the, the GIF, which, okay, fine. The GIF is a thing that people do now. And, you know, it, they, they went through the whole time with the, the first GIF, supposedly, was in 1987 which was, I forget who did it, but it was a plane with clouds flying behind it. And then they they were like, no, the first gift was in 1879, the, the, the scope. But that's fine. I give it to you. There's no ingenuity there. No. Like, how is that? So, it's certainly not as, in, as ingenious as this music streaming service was. Oh, yeah, I agree. I just cannot believe that that ended up first. Yeah. And and uh, I think, you know, when you look at it, when that was done in the infancy of photography, that was right. probably quite impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. to be able to, to do that. 
Um, right. And it's a hundred and, and yeah. Go ahead. And then they mentioned that it even predates uh, movie, like moving images. Yeah. So yeah, I get that, but still. Well, I can't believe there was one thing on here that was like, so stupid, <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> number four? Yeah, number four. What the hell? What, how is that even a thing? <laughs> the selfie stick. I mean, you know, I just this whole episode really kind of went, <laughs> went south for me because of all these stupid things going on. <laughs> now, this one, is a, this one did have more than one build, though. This episode actually had two builds in it. Yes, it did. Right, because yeah, because he she she built the in-car navigation system, oh, right? Yes. And he built the personal music player, which was really a portable record player. Well, she actually built both of those of those older versions of the of the in-car. Yeah, she yeah, she built two in-car navigation yeah. systems. Yeah, but but he also built the personal music player, which was I don't know. I mean, you know what it what it reminded me of? Just a little music box that you can pick up for like five bucks on eBay. It's not. Yeah, you know, it's nothing special. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things that's really easy to make nowadays. Yeah, that guy there there was really nothing interesting about his build. Not yeah. to me. The most interesting thing about his build was the the machine they had to to um, customize to make a record that's oh small. to cut the record. Yeah, yeah, to cut a record that's small. But otherwise, yeah. not really that interesting. Yeah, I, I would have loved yeah. to have seen them uh, recreate the Pantelegraph. I thought that would yeah. that would have been much more interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about the last episode. Episode 10, last episode of the season for the White Rabbit Project was Speed Freaks. Um, the criteria was the top speed, acceleration, and the um, how close it is to the top speed possible for that device or that. I'm that technology. That yeah. Well, I hate saying technology because one of the a person is, is one yeah, of them. biotech, so, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so this one to me is, uh, as I mentioned, it's a little close to the to the G Force one, but um, I don't know. Well, what do you guys think about this episode? Well, I think going back to your original statement, Jose, like um, you know, one thing that would help is for them to tell you what the six. Uh, things or things or technologies or biotechs mm-hmm. that they're going to review ahead of time, because you know they had me engaged. I was like, okay, well, let's let's hear some of these guys out. You know, like um, the fastest human. You know, they have Bolt in there, and you know some of his comments, and you know, like once they had the yeah, doctors uh, talking about the it. speed skydiving. I thought it was really cool too, mm-hmm. right? But then all of a sudden, you know, she comes up with this SR seventy one. Yeah. At that point, it's like really like okay. So why are we? Why don't you just make me spend you know like twenty minutes, thirty minutes of my of my time, when obviously this is gonna be the bigger one. Yeah, this is gonna yeah. win. This I, is gonna win. So it's like why why even bother? Yeah, and and Claudia, I think that the point you're making, at least for me, because I agree with this hundred percent, is that all of these things are on the list are so completely unrelated. They are so mm-hmm. far away from each other that you don't even know why they're on this list. Like what is? Yeah. I mean, what is? Speed is the only thing that is connecting them. But you're talking about 28 miles per hour at the low end and Mach 3.2. I mean, right. how is that even <laughs> in the same category? Exactly. Right. That's nature, right? That's, that's yeah. exactly what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, and then why an RC car made it on here? Ah, uh, yeah. Idea. It's one of those things like they they just have to throw in one that has no business being on the list more than the others. Well, I mean that was that was some, one of their the, the makes, right? Their yeah, but they didn't even build it. They yeah, had another that guy that was building it, and then they blow it up at the end. Just yeah. crazy! That was so useless. Like, what would they do? Well, I mean, the build was the electric car to in the in the right. same fashion as the Baker torpedo, right. and That's I thought that Tori was interesting. Was yeah, it, it, yeah, it was interesting, but I mean, it's one of those things that it's so much easier to do nowadays than when the guy did it. So yeah. it's like it's not as impressive for him to make it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There are certain things that when you set out to build, like they did back in the day, you're like, okay, this is gonna be interesting. But this was not one of them. Like the the balloon that was used to skate. Oh yes, Berlin. That was interesting because it's just as hard to make that by hand now as it was back then. Yeah, I don't feel like this was as hard to make by hand now as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And and that car is an impressive car. I mean, this guy built an electric car when most people were still riding horse and buggies. Oh yeah, you know it's impressive. It's not impressive for him to do today. No, but I think it's one of those cases in which you know I I don't know at least I've noticed maybe you guys have too but Tori is all about cars. Yeah, he's the car guy, in like in the entire season or show. So I think this time around he was like, oh, I'm gonna build myself something, and I don't care what you gotta do, but I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? One of the themes that I'm noticing here is that everything that comes in last. Should not even be on the list. They they should probably do this ahead of time and just cut out number six completely. Just do it a five. Yeah, just do the five. <laughs> Let's go back and, and look at it. You're right because jousting should not have been on should not have been on here. Yeah. The drones really also had no business in the deck. We love to hate. Yeah. I didn't think holograms were <laughs> needed to be in the words my hoverboard. Yeah. The, the cell phone, no, it was the cell phone was the one that ended up last. And oh. it wasn't even a thing. That wasn't a cell phone that they found. Yeah, it was completely and unrelated. In, right, and in this one, the RC car had no business being there. Yeah, I agree. I think number six, they should do this ahead of time. I'm like, we had six and we eliminated number six. We're not even going to tell you about it. Here are the five. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just mention it in passing. Oh, the one that ended up number six was this one. We're not going to show it to you. Yeah, it was so stupid that we decided yeah. we're not even showing it to you. Yeah. Honestly, I think listening to us, we are quite critical of the show much more than praising. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you were to, and maybe this is a good way of wrapping this up, but if you were to say what your favorite thing of the show is or what you enjoy most about the show, what would it be? Who wants to go first? Why don't you go first, Rick? Because I'm sure Claudia has to think about it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She's got to do a dissertation on it first. Yeah. Um, I I gotta say that if I had to pinpoint what I like about the show, mm-hmm. would be the builds. But even then, not a hundred percent. You know, the builds are interesting. I wish they were more innovative. For example, like you know, it's it's difficult not to compare them to the MythBusters because they are so tied to it. You know, in the Mythbusters, they had to develop a lot of different things to do testing, and they were methodical. And, and you mentioned mm-hmm. that the last time we covered the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see the same kind of methodology. I don't see them developing mm-hmm. anything interesting. 
um, you know, and the builds, like for example, the Joust build was completely pointless. Right. Um, all it shows is that yeah, they can recreate the same effect as two men on horseback jousting. That's all it really mm-hmm. did. But they were doing that anyway, so I don't think it, it didn't even matter. But then some of the builds, you know, like the hoverboard and the the uh, the uh, electric car, uh, the nav wheel, that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are interesting builds, although, like you pointed out, they were kind of recreating something that already existed. It wasn't, right. it wasn't innovative. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like the builds, but on the other hand, they're not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. You know. Did you have anything? Uh, yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is I would go back to our original episodes and we talked about this thing, about the show. And I, I'd say that the parts that I enjoy the most is when either they're together or they're working as a team mm-hmm. or they're like just, you know, chatting amongst each other, like, you know, right before, like towards the end, you know, when they're getting ready to start to rank them, mm-hmm. like, or when they ha- when they interact with each other in in a specific bit mm-hmm. that they do, I think those are really fun. Or like when they're making fun of each other, mm-hmm. right? Because then the, they make Grant for me at least more personable, mm-hmm. and that that helps. That really does help. Yeah. So yeah, I think that like the fact that it's the three of them is good. I think that if we were to watch this again, it would be because of that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the thing that I enjoy about the show is that if you stick with it and and you like decide you're gonna watch this and pay attention to it no matter what they what sort of silliness they do, there is stuff to be learned in it. Like it's it's not just sort of pure entertainment. I think a lot of the Mythbusters, well, it was interesting, and you discover things along the way or you debunked things along the way. They didn't really necessarily teach a lot of history all the time. You know, there's times when you look at these episodes and you, there's history that you can learn. Like the invented before its time, there was a lot of stuff about history that you learned to think the people were making yeah. that back in the day, you know. Yeah. Um, even this last episode, Speed Freaks, if you didn't know about the SR-71 um, Blackbird, you learned something about it. You know, you learned something about... Um, flight history really yeah so i think there's things to be learned the problem is is that sometimes it's very spread out and and you know it's easy to forget that those things are there because of that reason yeah so so all right well any last comments on the white rabbit project on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, let's go 3 criteria, would you want a season 2 now? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do you want to see a season 2 of this? Uh, 4. 4 for Claudia, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, man, I, I'm not sure. I'm probably in the same ballpark, anywhere between 2 to 4. 2 to 4. Yeah. I, think, I, I think I would like to see another season just to see what they learned from it. Because I, I feel like there could be a good show here if they learn the right lessons from this. So I would say like a five or a six. Like I'm curious enough to see where they go with it next season. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, well, cool. So if there is a season two, we will again shotgun ten episodes. 
of it and talk about it then. Um, until then, we are going to move on to the next section of the show, which is the product of the week. All right, so it's time for the product of the week. Uh, as always, we are not affiliated with this product, or, or as always so far, we are not affiliated with the product we're about to talk. It's just, you know, we find something on the internet that we find interesting. It's a product, and we just sort of talk about it, kind of review it, and, and or give our opinions about what we think about this particular product. Um, this week, Ray, you found this one. You tell us a little bit about the product. Uh, yeah, it's one of those uh, Kickstarter uh, deals and it seems like we're we pull a lot from Kickstarter because of uh, all the different things that seem to be popping up there. Um, but there, it's called a Snap Maker, and uh, I don't think it's live yet. But I thought it was interesting because, uh, from my point of view, you've seen my Shopsmith, right? We've talked about the Shopsmith before. Yeah. <clears throat> the Shopsmith uh, was something from the 1940s, and it was a all-in-one kind of machine and it was you know table saw drill press mortiser lathe all kinds of machines that you had to convert it so this uh snap maker is a similar maybe modern day kind of all-in-one machine where it uh it's a 3d printer a laser engraver and a cnc carving machine um what i find interesting about it in the same manner as the shopsmith and that is that it's got a multiple personality it does, a, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, and and I find that interesting in the same way that the Shopsmith was, was the same kind of thing. It occupied a very small amount of space and it did a lot of different things. Um, it's hard to tell how this is going to do because they haven't, they haven't actually gone live and, you know, they haven't made anything but the prototypes. Um, but the only issue that I can see with it is while it can occupy what can do all these things is that you can only do one of them at once and it's the same problem that all these multi-purpose machines have uh you can only do one thing at one time and you can't do other things so if you've got multiple operations you got to do on multiple parts it's going to be a time-consuming process <clears throat> now uh i like to use the example of the shopsmith because <laughs> while the shopsmith did many things it didn't do any of them great. <laughs> it did them all, but it did not do them great. It did them good enough. You know, it was, it was good enough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, we don't know too much about this. I think it's, uh, it's also powered by your smartphone, which is probably why it's inexpensive. Uh, but with these removable modules, I think that they can't be significantly robust to do, uh, you know, their, their purpose very, very well. But I think it might it might be you know one of those good enough kind of things like like a Walmart brand multi tool you know it's not a Leatherman but it's uh, you know it'll it'll yeah. kind of do the job. <laughs> right. What do you guys think about this? What do you think, Lloyd? Um, a couple of thoughts on this thing. Um, number one, it's it's one ninety nine and it's on Kickstarter, so I, I now have developed a. A mantra for anything that's below two hundred dollars on Kickstarter. Question it, question it, question it, <laughs> and don't necessarily jump into it right away, um, because we've been burned before by a printer <laughs> at that cost. Um, 
But other than that, like, just the safety factors of this scare me a little bit uh, in terms of the laser engraver um, and possibly kids unsupervised, uh, unsupervised use of this by kids. So definitely supervision would be really important. But um, the other thing, and it talks a little bit about, you know, like what we've been talking about in, in our main topic or, you know, like what we'll be discussing about um, this all-in-one machines that, Ray, you mentioned this, that, you know, when something breaks on an all-in-one, then you can't use it at all. Um, for for any of the things, yeah. For any of the things. Yeah. And a good example is my printer. You know, we have an all-in-one printer. Like, it's an Epson, and I love it. It's one of, it's you know, it took my time to choose this particular printer. But we ran out of ink. And Jose really needed to scan something. And you couldn't scan anything because we didn't have ink. It wouldn't right. let you use the scan function without the ink. Without the ink. Yeah, oh, man, that's you, annoying. Yeah, if you didn't replace the ink cartridge that was low... You can do anything else at all. And that's really what frustrating. What the hell? Yeah, yeah that is. it's really frustrating. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, like, that's why it's best to... And, you know, you have to spend the money to make sure that you have the right ink. And it's just... That's that's my biggest fear on, the, on these type of machines, that it's all in one. When something breaks, you need to basically... You're losing three machines at once, which, which is what you were saying, Ray. Or, or you know... If you're using, if you want to use one thing, you can't necessarily use the others. Yeah. So yeah, that's my overall overall take on this. Um, I guess the thing I would say is, um, I mean, it seems from the features listed here, it seems like it would be a decent enough 3D printer. Um, it's a very small build area for a 3D printer. Yeah. Um, which I guess sort of. Mitigates a little bit what I was about to say. The issue with having a machine that is a 3D printer and then does something else is the 3D printing takes a, takes quite a bit of time. Yeah. You know, this thing that the thing that they're showing on this image, which looks like a where is it? Um, like a turbine impeller. Like a, right, like a turbine thing here. I mean, this is not going to take 20 minutes to print. You know, this is going to take potentially eight, ten hours to print. You know, mm -hmm. at, a, at yeah. the resolution that they seem to be showing it here. So that means for those 10 hours, you can't use your laser and you can't use your engraver. No. So that's got to be the only thing you're doing. Um, that's why I wouldn't want to have a machine that is a 3D printer and anything else at all. Um, the, the amount of time it takes up is just not worth it. Yeah. And I think you make a, a valid point on productivity is what the point that you're making. Right. Because while you're printing, you cannot be producing anything else. Exactly. It really kills yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, and maybe most people don't have that need, and at $200, maybe you don't have that need. Um, I think that where this machine could be useful is in a school setting, you know, where you're teaching kids how to do these three things. One day you set it up for 3D printing, one day you set it up for engraving, one day you set it up for carving. Yeah. And then you can yeah. teach them how to use that in, in that way and you don't take up a lot of space in the classroom, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though. It says the, the laser is 500 watts. Milliwatts. Those, are, those um, are milliwatts. So that is half of a watt. Uh, that's why. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, how is, this not a, how is this not able to cut and it's only <laughs> set as a laser engraver? Yeah. Well, to give you an example, uh, the laser at my shop is an 80-watt yeah. laser. 
Right. That is 160 times more powerful than this. Than this one, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that's why I didn't know. I didn't realize the M there. Like, yeah, that's... How, is this not, how is this not able to cut? <laughs> It'll probably cut paper, like if you want to do paper templates. But you're not going to want to cut paper because then you're cutting onto your heated, your heated bed for the oh yeah for, for the 3D printer. You don't yeah, want yeah, but to a half a watt though, you're not going to be doing any damage to it. I don't think. Yeah, you're probably right, but I wouldn't want to do it either way. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it seems like a nice enough machine. I think one of the things that I I've I was talking to I wasn't talking to somebody. I was reading some comments on Facebook. And, you know, it was from the people that are in the same group of the 3D printer that I've been trying to buy. And they said, when you look at Kickstarter, and, and I think this makes sense, when you look at Kickstarter and you're going to invest on in something on Kickstarter, check well that the, that the device or whatever it is they're making, or whatever you're investing in, isn't trying to innovate too much. Like, make sure it maybe it's only trying to innovate one thing or two things at most. Because the more things that it tries to innovate, the more chances there are for it to fail. Huh. Right? Interesting. Interesting. And it, yeah, it I mean, overcomplicates. It overcomplicates what the campaign is trying to accomplish, and there's bigger chances that you won't get what you're looking for. Um, I think when I look at this and I try and read it for those purposes, I, maybe this thing is only trying to innovate one thing, which is having three devices in one. But it's trying to do it at a low price, so there's the second thing that it's trying to innovate. So I don't know. I, I I'd be careful with it. Yeah, honestly, at two hundred dollars, I don't even know how you would how you would do one of the three functions. Right. Yeah. And, and guess, I don't know if you looked at the specs. Um, mm -hmm. Just the the three D printing, it's saying a resolution of fifty to three hundred microns. Right. In Which a is not one. Great. What was that? Which is not the greatest. It's not the greatest, but at fifty microns, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, but at this price point, you can get a 3D printer for about the same price point that'll do the 20 microns. Oh yeah, so yeah. but it's in a you know a 125 millimeter, which is about six inches roughly, six by yeah. six by six. Um, but you got to remember this is a a triple thing, so right. I don't know if they can make a module that is easily tr uh, transplantable that way, even at what they're just what they're saying they can do. I'm not right. sure that they could make it portable that way. You know, so you could just, you just snap it off and snap it on. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I'll be honest with you. I bet the $200 is for the 3D printer part. And if you want the laser module and you want the CNC module, it's more money. Yeah. Because I've seen other, other Kickstarter projects that say something similar where you have all three functions, but mm -hmm. it's more money for the other functions. Yeah. So, now, the uh, one thing I, I can see somebody doing is saying, okay, well, I'll buy three of them. And I'll set them up individually for each function. Mm -hmm. And if something breaks, I have replacement parts that I can just move them around. Swap. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, but, I, but, I, but you're that's taking a chance still. with $600 at that point. You are. You are definitely. <laughs> you right may now. not get any. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I would be wary of it. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that was what is the, is the snap maker. So yeah, we'll put a link to it. People can make up their own mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go on to the next section of the podcast, which is what are we working on?
Alright, so here we are to our last segment of the podcast, which is what are we working on, what are we seeing, what are we reading? Uh, how about you, Claudia? What have you been doing? So, I have been gushing over our professor, Peter Magyar, these days. <laughs> yeah, former, <laughs> the former director and professor of the architecture school we all attended. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've been mentioning that he's now uh, a professor at Kansas State University. So, you know, earlier in, I guess, yeah, earlier in, in this year, or like late last year, um, I found out that he was selected as the as Royal Institute of British Architects Fellow. So in the RIA, he is now a, a RIA fellow. Um, oh, sorry, a RIA. A RIBA fellow. A RIBA fellow. So most architects know about that. Um, about It's basically the, the equivalent of a, the AIA here in the United States. And, you know, it got me thinking a lot about, like, just how appreciative I am of him and the fact that he is also an immigrant, mm-hmm. right? He's from um, hung- Hungary, right? Yeah. Hungarian. And, um, and yeah, you know, like being taught by an immigrant um, about architecture and not just, you know, holistically has been like such a great thing that it's not just this American view of architecture, but this really global view of architecture and very authentic view of, of architecture. And I really appreciate that. And I wanted to just send out a shout out to him um, through this, through our, our little world that we have here he was also recently um featured in a in a bookstore right um so i think like seven of his uh books were were um featured at the william stout architectural bookstore in san francisco so he's also definitely a contributor to academics through his books yeah he's definitely a contributor to academics yeah yeah so yeah that was it then the other thing that I wanted to share is uh, something that a, a former um, colleague of mine sent through, you know, posted on Facebook, and he's actually not an architect. Uh, he is a, uh, a designer, a graphic designer. But you know, because I used to work in large architecture firms, and we used to offer all the services. And this guy's awesome. Like Greg is really cool. But anyways, he he shared this this post about uh, architecture lobby org. And it's an organization uh, about architects or, or made up of architects who are looking to um, unif- uh, to create a union mm-hmm. for architects throughout. And, you know, they have like a manifesto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I definitely encourage everyone to, anybody who's an architect, um, a former architect, an active architect, uh, architect lover, mm-hmm. <laughs> architecture lover, to look at architecture dash lobby.org but one of the big things that they're doing right now is they have a campaign against uh the wall and um the two manufacturer no, <laughs> no. <laughs> about no wall so basically uh, <laughs> the wall the that, wall the <laughs> wall that, okay. the wall so um yeah so they're looking at um you know just they have a a, a they're gonna have uh, an action date on, on, on this particular issue, I don't want to get too political on this, uh, on this, um, on the space. But I just want you guys to, you know, like whoever's listening out there, to check them out, mm-hmm. see their no wall um, uh, petition that they have, mm-hmm. and basically architects, you know, demanding for a little bit of social justice. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I like the idea that you know architects do have some level of responsibility. We're not just uh, for hire by any client. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, that's so that's that's what it is. What about you, Ray? What have you been working on? Whew, we don't have time for that kind of list. <laughs> so I'll keep it brief. Um, you know, I, I took about a month off of my, my uh, YouTube videos, not because I wanted to take some time off, but, um, you know, I think we mentioned it before, I was making those, those uh, fidget spinners out of gears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turned out to explode on me, and I didn't have any time available to do basically anything else including my videos mm-hmm. so uh, i finally got one video up of a of my little tiny itty bitty mini <laughs> gear spinner uh yeah. i I'm, I'm surprised how well they're selling it i'm having a hard time keeping up with the orders so i've been making these uh gear spinners uh and um uh, on a new website that i also had to start so yeah i've been very busy messing with that and um so yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Uh, basically, more work. <laughs> you some of it another, is another business for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I created another business yeah. that has now taken up the rest of my time, at least for for the time being. Yeah. No fidgeting around. Yeah, I don't have time to <laughs> use my own toys. <laughs> Very cool. I'm so impressed by that, Ray. I'm just like really, I just wanted to say how impressed I am with you and how you managed to do all of these things all at once and like literally start a whole new business yeah within the short amount of time and and yeah and being able to create the products so like because it's not just it's not just you know like coming up with these things or like filling filling a need but also to fulfill it (laughs) to actually do it i I have so much respect for that yeah well you know what I, i i kind of got lucky uh, with the whole thing, just the, the right place at the right time with the right idea, honestly. I would say it's more luck than anything. And uh, I also got lucky with one particular client who commissioned me to make... Um, I, I was making a three-gear spinner, and he asked me, can I make a nine-gear spinner? Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about it back and forth, and he commissioned me to make it, and I and I made one. And, uh, in fact, I just mailed it to him last Monday. So almost it'll be a week ago tomorrow that I mailed it to him. And um, ever since then, um, I guess it was so well received that I, I ended up getting orders for six more, uh, which is a surprise because it was a very complicated piece. As far as fidget spinners are concerned, uh, it has 52 individual moving parts in it. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not sure if you guys even seen that nine gear at all. I've seen a photo of it. So, yeah, the, the, all the gears, inter, there's nine gears, and they all intermesh, and then the whole thing spins around itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very interesting thing, and I think because of the complexity, people really responded well. Uh, and I'm shocked because it's a very expensive toy. And uh, mm-hmm. and after I sold the first one, uh, I ended up selling six more. So the whole, the whole thing has been a very surprise kind of good luck kind of thing. Um, How about you, Jose? For myself, uh, it sort of sprung up on me because uh, I I don't know if I've ever mentioned it here on the the podcast um, because it was in 2015 last time I did it. But, uh, I mean, I I think people know I do photography sort of on the side as a side business. Um, And one of the things that happens here in D.C. is an art show called Artomatic. 
Uh, it's an art show for artists by artists. Um, if you're in the D.C. area, you should definitely check it out. And it's going to take place at the end of the month. So I've been having to gear up for it sort of suddenly because they just announced that it's uh, it's happening at the end of the month. All the sign-up had to take place and they're picking out your space where you're going to put your photo or you're going to put your artwork. Um, it, it's sort of the largest art show in the area. There's usually like 400 artists displaying their work all at once in, in a building. Um, so it's going to be quite interesting. I'm going to be part of it again like I was in 2015. And yeah, I've been having to gear up towards getting artwork ready, getting photos ready, getting the space measured and what I'm going to do with it and stuff. So that's been taking up sort of a lot of today and a lot of the last couple of days sort of getting ready for that. Um, as well as I'm doing some, I've also been busy because I've been doing some architecture sort of side jobs, you know, a couple of, I have like three, aside from work, you know, I have a full-time job in an architecture firm. I have now three clients that want some uh, architecture work done for their houses, so I'm working on that as well. So things have just been busy in that sense, you know. Well, very yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, things, a lot of stuff going on. Um, and as sort of a wrapping up thing, we, all three of us, are going to be at Nova Maker Fair on March 19th. Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia Maker Fair. Um, so if you guys are in the area, that's something we're preparing for and uh, we're looking forward to being. We're going to be recording like we were. I mean, if you guys listen back to our Silver Spring episode, I think we'll do something similar to that where we talk to the different makers that were at, the different makers and the different attendees that were at the fair. And uh, So our goal is to try and do something similar to that. Uh, and uh, potentially, depending on how things go and the crowd and the time, we may even record from there. But if we don't record from there, we'll do an episode after, sort of talking about our review and our, our what we thought of the Maker Fair. Um, and that's coming up March 19th. So everybody should keep an eye out for that attend if you can. Yeah, keep um, follow us on Facebook because we'll be posting some of the events that are uh, coming. Because usually the, this, the Maker Fairs have been really good at having meetups having like pre pre make pre fair events mm -hmm. for specific um groups within the movement right. uh like there's one coming up for educators which is pretty cool mm -hmm. um but there's you know there's all kinds i mean there was there were some there was some that had to do with international development even and making and you know like city and, and the making movement and stuff like that and i really appreciate those so um, yeah, so just keep an eye out because we'll definitely be posting stuff on fa on our Facebook page and and Twitter and our yeah social media Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so why don't we each tell the people where they can find more about us? Yeah, you can find me at uh, DC Berrigan on Twitter, uh, also on the City Ecologist dot uh, com. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on my uh, Facebook page, um, Homemade Lathes. We've got, uh, for some reason, there's been a huge uh, jump in uh, in members of the page. I'm not sure why, uh, but there's been a lot more activity on there. I, I know there's a lot of guys building lathes, and they're asking a bunch of questions. So uh, nice. if anybody's interested in making their lathes at home, uh, there's a lot of resources that we put up, uh, including where to find, you know, hard-to-find parts. Um, and um, the uh, my, my new website, of course, the realgearspinners.com, and 
there was one more. Oh, my YouTube channel. YouTube channel, yeah. My YouTube channel, uh, Ray Pena. Uh, I'm going to start putting up videos more regularly now that uh, I've taken a month off, and I, I think I've taken too much time off of that. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right, cool. And then you can find me uh, I'm at City Aperture with my website, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and whatnot. Um, yeah, so find me there. I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff about Artomatic for the next few days and uh, also hoping to get into a, a few more things architecture related in pretty much everything as well. So some design stuff and things like that. So, oh, you know what? I got a question for you. Since you're going to do yeah. Artomatic and I, and I know it's going to be quick, do you have enough, um, I guess, inventory to to attend? Are you going to be on a, on a frenzy to make some more inventory? I think there's a few pieces that I'm going to make because I'm also going to take some of the furniture that I've put photographs on. I mean, I have quite a bit of stuff. Like, I, I since I ended up, I hang it up here at the house, I have quite a, like, the house is going to be empty for art. But, but <laughs> like yeah, the stuff gonna, behind you? Yeah, like the photograph behind me, the photographs behind me, and then there's somewhere in the corner over there and some on that side. So, yeah, and then I have some other stuff that's just sort of put away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I have... It, I have a bigger space this year than I had last time, so I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm gonna st I'm gonna sort of do a drawing of that the next day or so to figure out how much I have and how much I need to fill up and, and whether I need to make something or not. You got to do a drawing, maybe a three D model, maybe a, a space yeah, uh, study, yeah, the, yeah. datum lines, and, and then I'm gonna three D print it, three D print a model of it. Yeah, and then by the day of, you'll be prepared. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we'll see. I'm not quite sure how it's going to go yet. But even in terms right. of projects, I know we're going to be doing some stuff eventually, like more, yeah. more within this year. You know, what's to come this year? It's a lot of other projects. And your mom had like some suggestions too for us too. Yeah, yeah. I think mom we're... was like giving us suggestions, which I really appreciate. And yeah, maybe like any of our listeners, if they have any suggestions of projects that we can do, like uh, that are specifically for the making making movement or did, you, did your mom have a suggestion for the project for the podcast yeah yeah ah. yeah oh, like okay. you know how we've talked about like last year we did the lamp challenge and we've talked about this year doing two and maybe one of them being something that all the listeners can also do as well so she had an idea for for that so how how about an idea of keeping your cat off your desk <laughs> right yes <laughs> jumping up here <laughs> Yeah. Something uh, for how to do that. Yes. Yeah. The other one's over there sleeping. This one's just decided he wants to be a brother. Go. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, the end of the show. Right? Yes. Uh, if anybody wants to email the show, it is um, info at made podcast. Is that right? Made. The email. Yeah. Oh, our email. Info at Made Podcast. Info yeah. at Made Podcast. And, or Jose at Made Podcast. Or yeah, just do Info at Made Podcast. Or the Gmail one also as well. I listed before. I'll, I'll have links to all of it. We also have an Amazon sponsors page. If you guys want to buy something on Amazon anyways, you can use that as well. So thanks everybody for listening. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh,